ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئه اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger this afternoon bismillah ta'ala we would like to continue with a brief explanation and mentioning of some of the legal rulings or the ahkam that might be derived from the hadith of the book of siyam the chapter related to fasting from bulugh al-maram bulugh al-maram as we mentioned in the first session it is a book of ahadith al-ahkam ahadith related to legal rulings all of the hadith in that book they are hadith that are used as evidences in the sharia for matters of uh matters related to ibadah for matters related to transactions or social interaction and so on the chapter that we want to discuss in these few sessions during the month of ramadan is the chapter related to fasting kitab al-siyam and the hadith that the author al-hafiz ibn hajj al-asqalani rahimahullah collected here are very few some of them are related specifically to the rules of fasting in general and some of them are more specific related to voluntary fasting and other matters uh, <clears throat> as we mentioned we we would hope to cover all of the hadith of this chapter and there are maybe a little over 50 or 60 hadith uh, for that reason we have decided to make the explanation of the hadith very brief and to try to suffice with the mentioning of the ruling the legal ruling that might be derived from those hadith with some mention of the grades of the hadith where there's some difference of opinion especially those hadith that are not from as-sahihain al-bukhari and muslim also in the mudhakkara or the booklet that we the booklet that we have available we have attempted to uh, collect some of the basic terminology of mustalah hadith or the terminology that is used by the scholars of hadith in their discussions of the gradings of the hadith the authenticity or otherwise uh, so that the comments of al-hafiz ibn hajar al-asqalani rahimahullah after each hadith would be understood and more appreciated so any those notes in the back at the end of the section of hadith those notes uh, can serve as an aid for those who might not be familiar with these terminologies to go back and look at them and try to become familiar with them so that when these expressions are used you can understand them better inshallah the hadith that we have reached is the hadith of ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma may allah be pleased with him and his father i think it is the fourth hadith in this section uh in that hadith he mentioned alaykum فراى الناس الهلال فاخبرت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اني رايته فصام وامر الناس بصيامه عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما he said that the people they made an effort they tried to see the hilal يعني in the end of the month of شعبان the people went out and they looked in the sky at the time of the setting of the sun when the hilal might be sighted in the beginning of the month to look to see it to try to see if it will appear faraa an-nas al-hilal yani they made an effort and this is what was happening in the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
Therefore it is what should be happening today That the Muslims should be on this occasion On the occasion of the beginning of the month of Ramadan especially And the month of Dhul Hijjah for Hajj If not throughout the year The Muslims should be looking to see the Hilal To know when is the beginning and end of the month Especially on the occasion of these acts of worship That depend on the sighting of the moon So the people tried to see the Halal The Hilal فَأَخْبَرْتُ أَنَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنِّي رَأَيْتُهُ So that is Ibn Umar, he said, I inform the Prophet وسلم, that I have seen it, that I have seen the Hilal in the sky. I am a witness that the Hilal has appeared, which means the beginning of the month of Ramadan. فَصَامَ So the Prophet وسلم, fasted, and he based on the sighting of Abdullah ibn Umar anhuma, the Prophet وسلم, fasted, وَأَمَرَ النَّاسَ بِسِيَامِهِ And he ordered the people also to fast. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted his testimony that the beginning of the month has come and therefore he fasted. And he being the leader of the people, the one who is responsible for the people, is the one who announces the beginning and the end of the month. Even if he has appointed others, such as the judges or whatever, to examine the witnesses and to investigate their testimony and to make sure that it is a confirmed, legitimate sighting, but the one who has the authority to announce the beginning of the fast for the Muslims and the end of the fast, it is the ruler, the emir, or the khalifa, if there is a khalifa for the Muslim ummah. So he fasted, that is the Prophet ﷺ, and he ordered the people to fast that day, yani from that day. Rawahu Abu Dawood, wa sahahahu ibn Hibban wal-Hakim. Al-Hafiz, he says, yani that he, at the end of every hadith, he will mention the sources where he has collected that hadith from here, he said, that this hadith has been reported by Abu Dawood in his Sunan, Sunan of Abu Dawood, وَصَحَّحَهُ ibn Hibban وَالْحَاكَمْ And it has been declared to be authentic by both Al-Imam ibn Hibban and Al-Imam Hakim. Al-Imam ibn Hibban in his book, the Sahih, the Sahih ibn Hibban, and Al-Hakim in his book, Al-Mustadrak, Mustadrak of Hakim, Rahimahumullah. From this hadith, or before mentioning that which is derived from this hadith, the, sec- the hadith following it is related to the same topic, so we can join them together and mention that which is derived from them at one time. The second hadith is the hadith of Ibn Abbas, and Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. Al-Hilal. And Ibn Abbas reports that a Bedouin came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Verily I have seen the Hilal, the new moon in the sky. He said, I have seen the Hilal. A Bedouin meaning a person who is living out in the desert, away from the city. He came into the city, he came to the presence of the Prophet ﷺ and said, I have seen the Hilal. From this hadith, it appears that that man was unknown to the Prophet and therefore he questioned him to confirm that he is a Muslim because it is a condition that the one who cites the Hilal should be a Muslim. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, أَتَشْهَدُوا أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Do you testify that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah? قَالَ نَعَمْ He said yes. قَالَ أَتَشْهَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ قَالَ نَعَمْ He said, do you testify that Muhammad ﷺ is the Messenger of Allah? And he said, نَعَمْ yani By this testimony the Shahadatain, the Prophet ﷺ, confirmed him to be a Muslim and therefore his testimony should be accepted. So he said, Qala, that is the Prophet ﷺ said, فَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ يَا بِلَالُ أَنْ يَصُومُ غَدًا He said, O Bilal, announce to the people, announce to the people that they should fast tomorrow. Yani, that was in the night at the time of the setting of the sun. So he told him to announce to the people, to call out to the people and to announce to them that they will fast tomorrow, that the fast will begin tomorrow. This hadith he said, رواه الخمسة وصححه ابن خزيمة وابن حبان ورجح النساء إرساله. He said رواه الخمسة and we said that الخمسة according to the terminology that Al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Asqalani is using, it includes five of those who are mentioned from the main collections that he has used excluding Al-Bukhari and Muslim that is Al-Imam Ahmed, Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah and Nasai so they have narrated this hadith and they are Qutub al-Sunan and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed the five of them 
وصححه ابن خزيمة وابن حبان ابن خزيمة إنه الصحيح ابن حبان إنه الصحيح have declared the hadith to be صحيح ورجح ورجح النسائي إرساله but الإمام النسائي إنه السنن he considered that that hadith is مرسل he considered that the opinion of those who said that it is مرسل he said that that is the stronger opinion he considered that opinion to be stronger and Nasa'i considered that this hadith was mursal and of the contemporary scholars the Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah he also has mentioned in Irwa al-Ghalil that this hadith is da'if it is da'if because of the irsal because as al-imam al-Nasa'i said that hadith is mursal and the reason why he has declared it to be Mursal is because one of the narrations, one of the chains of narratives of this hadith which is reported from Hamad ibn Salama, in that chain he did not mention Ibn, ibn Abbas. And his chain is stronger. Therefore, al-Nasai, rahimahullah, considered that the opinion of those who said the hadith is Mursal, it is stronger because the narration of Hamad ibn Salama is stronger than the other narrations, meaning that uh, there is a break in the chain. Here the irsal, it means that the tabi'i, yani the, the one who came in the generation after the sahaba, he has not mentioned, he has not mentioned a sahabi, but he has declared that hadith directly, he has narrated directly from the Prophet wasallam. and the tabi'un, they haven't met the Prophet, they have heard from sahaba. So if a, a tabi'i narrates the hadith directly from the Prophet wasallam, that means there is a break in the chain. He hasn't mentioned the sahabi, Therefore, that hadith is Mursal in this case. And the Mursal hadith has been declared by most of the scholars to be weak because there is a break in the chain. And if we don't know who is missing from that chain, we can't declare the hadith to be Sahih. Some people said that as long as he is a Tabi and he has heard from a Sahaba, Sahabi, then there is no harm because all of the Sahaba are considered to be acceptable narratives. However, the more correct opinion is that a tabi'i might also narrate from another tabi'i, not directly from sahabi. He could have narrated from a tabi'i, and that tabi'i could be a legitimate narrator or an unacceptable narrator. And in that case, that hadith would be weak. So therefore, because of the ihtimal or the possibility that he has narrated not directly from sahabi, but he has direct na- narrated from another tabi'i, and the possibility that that tabi'i could be an unacceptable narrator, therefore, that hadith is declared to be Weak. However, the previous hadith uh, contains basically the same meaning. Yani the meaning that uh, the beginning of the month begins with a sighting, a confirmed sighting from a Muslim. Uh, and therefore, yani, even if this hadith has some weakness and we don't accept it as an independent proof, but the meaning of it is confirmed by the previous hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah who said that he saw the hilal he informed the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet fasted and ordered the other people to fast. So here they have mentioned a number of points and these points are primarily taken from the Sharh of Bulugh Muram uh, by Al-Imam Al-San'ani from Yemen, his book Subh Al-Salam and it has been summarized by a later scholar and after that some other contemporary scholars they have taken that summary and derived from it the main rulings that he has mentioned in the summary of these hadith and these are the rulings that we will mention. The first of them is the permissibility of accepting the testimony of one person who is a legitimate acceptable yani, witness. The permissibility of sufficing with one witness for the beginning of the month of Ramadan according to the majority of the scholars. Yani, according to the majority, meaning that there are some who said no, that there has to be two witnesses. But the majority of scholars said one, and that is confirmed from the hadith of Ibn Umar, he was one person, the Prophet ﷺ accepted his testimony, fasted and ordered the people to fast. Uh, the second point is that the Imam, or whoever is in his place who he has appointed, he is the one who has the responsibility of announcing the beginning of the fast. It is not for every person to announce to the people on their own, but the one who sees it should go to those in authority and report what they have seen and if their testimony is accepted then the authorities will announce the beginning of the end of the fast. Also, that it is mustahab, it is commendable or preferable or beloved, that the people should look, and he should make an effort to look for the hilal, because of what is yani, based on that sighting, yani, the things that are based upon it, of the important matters or the rulings, uh, legal rulings in the deen, and in this case, the beginning of the month of fasting, or in the case of the hajj or whatever. 
and somebody takes that tape recorder for Yani because of the importance of the sighting of the moon and what is based upon it, then it is mustahab that the people should go out and look for it. The next point that he said is that there is a condition that the one who sees the moon in order for his uh, testimony to be accepted, there is a condition that he has to be a just Muslim, a Muslim, yani who, whose testimony could be accepted. He should be a Muslim. We wouldn't accept the testimony of a non-Muslim. Uh, the last point that he mentions is that the confession of the shahadatain, the shahada of la ilaha illallah and the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah is sufficient for the confirmation of a person's iman. Yani, if a person agrees or confesses to these two testimonies, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that is sufficient to confirm their iman. In general, al-iman al-mutlaq. That he is and he considered from amongst the believers. Of course, the perfection of iman or the degree of one's iman, that is something that is known to Allah. But if a person merely testifies to this, then we consider them to be from amongst the Muslims. The next hadith is the hadith of Hafsa. Radiyallahu anha, um al-mu'minina. Anna Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, man lam yubayyiti. السيام قبل الفجر فلا سيام له يعني حفصة رضي الله عنها one of the mothers of the believers one of the ummul mu'mineen one of the wives of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم she said that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever doesn't make intention for fasting before the dawn before the fajr then that person has no fasting and there's no fasting for them they're fasting is not accepted. Whoever doesn't make intention during the night, meaning before the break of dawn, whoever doesn't make intention for fasting before dawn, then they have no fast. Rawahu al-Khamsa, also it is narrated by the five, meaning the Qutb al-Sunan, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Limaj al-Nisai, and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. وَمَالَ أَتْتِرْمِذِي وَالنَّسَاعِي إِلَى تَرْجِيحِ وَقْفِهِ وَصَحَّحَهُ مَرْفُوعًا إِبْنِ خُزَيْمَةَ وَإِبْنِ حِبَّانِ وَلِدْرَقُدْنِ رِوَايَةَ أُخْرَى يعني here he said الحافظ بن حجر الاسكلاني said that الترمذي الإمام الترمذي and الإمام النسائي رحمه الله that they were more inclined towards giving preference to the opinion of those who said that it is موقوف ترجي وقفه they held that the stronger opinion concerning this hadith is that it is موقوف and mawquf it means that it is a narration or a report that stops at a sahabi. It is not going back to the Prophet And some of the scholars held the opinion that this hadith is mawquf, meaning it is a statement of Hafsa radiallahu anha, and not really a report from the Prophet That was the opinion of At-Tirmidhi and Nasa'i, that the stronger opinion here is that it is a saying of Hafsa. As for those who attributed to the Prophet Marfu'an, he said, Sahahahu Marfu'an ibn Khuzayma wa ibn Hibban. That both Imam ibn Khuzayma and Imam ibn Hibban, they declared that hadith as Marfu' as a hadith going directly to the Prophet as being Sahih. And of the contemporary scholars, Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, declared it also to be Sahih in Irwa al-Ghalil where he had a long discussion concerning this hadith and other supporting narrations. In a number of pages he discussed it, and in the end he said even though none of those narrations are independently, could be, could be independently declared to be sahih because of some defects in the chain, however he said he didn't imagine that the likes of Hafsa, radiallahu anha, the daughter of Umar ibn Khattab, and the narration also from his son Abdullah radiallahu anhum, and a similar report of the same meaning from Aisha radiallahu anha, that they have narrated this from their own ijtihad, from their own minds. But it must be that they have heard it from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, even if there is a break in the chain, he said that the heart is more inclined to accept the fact that it is marfu'un, that it is attributed to the Prophet as a statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. وَلِذَّرْكُتْنِي لَا سِيَامَ بِمَنْ لَمْ يَفْرُدْ لم يفرده من الليل يعني الإمام الدرقتني in his sunan he has also reported a hadith of similar meaning he has attached it to this narration that is Al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Asqalani has said 
that a Darkutni has narrated the hadith La siyama liman lam yafridhu min al-layl That there is no fast for the person who has not made intention, who has not intended and he made it obligatory on himself or have accepted to fast from the, lay, from the night. Whoever hasn't made intention from night before the break of dawn, then there's no fast for them. Yani the meaning of his hadith is the same. Uh, there's no fast for the one who hasn't made intention from the night. And the previous hadith, there's no fast for the one who hasn't intended before the break of dawn. Uh, from this hadith, they have mentioned a number of points. One of them is that it is of necessity. It is essential that the fast be accompanied by niyyah, by intention. It is essential that anyone who fasts, they must have uh, the intention of fasting. And this is a general rule that the scholars of the people of Sunnah have agreed upon that no deed is accepted to Allah or accepted by Allah except that it fulfills two basic conditions. One of them that the person has made intention to make that thing purely for Allah alone and the other that it is done in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet yani in accordance with the Sharia so for fasting it becomes clear from this hadith like other deeds that it requires intention and also from this hadith it becomes more clear that it is obligatory for that intention to be made during the night yani before the break of dawn and here they said that this intention being made during the night is obligatory for the obligatory fast for the obligatory fasting and that is understood from other hadith not necessarily from this hadith but there is a long discussion and difference of opinion amongst the scholars is the uh, requirement of intention before dawn is it a necessity for every fast whether it is obligatory fasting or voluntary fasting or is it only for the obligatory fasting and some of the scholars held because of other evidences that it is necessary only for the obligatory fast and the proofs of this some will be mentioned Uh, the second point is the permissibility of making the niyyah for fasting for the whole month of Ramadan at one time and that it is not obligatory to renew that intention every day and this is the opinion of one of the scholars who has explained Bulugu Muram and he was inclined to that opinion that it is sufficient to make intention once for the whole of the month of Ramadan and that it's not obligatory to renew the intention every night and this is the point obviously about which there is difference of opinion uh, there is a long discussion about it the important thing is that as long as the person intends to fast for the whole month and when they go to sleep at night they have it in their mind and in their heart that they are going to fast the next day or they get up to take suhoor or whatever or even they have uh, prepared their suhoor and they didn't take it the, all of this is included in intention intention doesn't mean that you have to say in the morning before dawn I intend to fast this day it means that you have that in your heart you have that in your heart or in your mind the uh, intention to fast and that is sufficient whether it is only in the beginning of the month as, the, as they have said here or whether it is renewed according to some of the scholars and yani daily the next hadith is the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha قالت دخل علي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم فقال هل عندكم شيء يعني the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came to visit Aisha radiyallahu anha he came to her house to visit her uh, one day and he said to her do you have anything يعني do you have anything to eat in our day and time Probably most of us have not experienced such a thing that you go home and ask is there anything to eat. There's always plenty to eat. But in that time, the best of creation, the messenger of Allah sallallahu many times he would go to his house and there was nothing to eat. That was the condition of the Muslims in that time. He said, is there anything to eat? Qulna la. They said, no, there's nothing. We have nothing at all. Yani nothing at all. Not yani we don't have any steak or we don't have any chicken. We have nothing. Not even dates, nothing at all, nothing to eat. Qala fa'inni idhan sa'imun. The Prophet ﷺ said, in that case then I am fasting. In that case then I will fast. If there is nothing to eat then I might as well fast. So he made intention at that moment to fast. He had not intended to fast. But he was looking for something to eat. When there was nothing, he hadn't eaten anything before. So as long as he has not done anything that invalidates the fast, he made intention at that point. To fast. He said, فَإِنِّي إِذَنْ صَائِمٌ ثُمَّ أَتَانَ يَوْمًا آخَرٌ 
Then he came to us another day. فَقُلْنَا أُهْدِيَ لَنَا حَيْسٌ They said that we have been given a gift of some hais, that is some kind of food that's made from dates and ghee or something like this. They said we have been given a gift, something has been given to us, we have some food. فَقَالَ أَرِينِيهِ Show it to me, let me see it. فَلَقَدْ أَصْبَحْتُ صَائِمًا He said because I woke up in the morning I started today fasting. Yani he had intended to fast that day. He said let me see it before I break my fast. فَأَكَلَ after he saw it, he ate from it. Yani he broke his fast. That day there was something to eat. And he said, I had actually started the day fasting. Let me see it. When he saw it, he decided to break his fast. So he ate. Rawahu Muslim. That hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim rahimahullah in his sahih. From this hadith, he mentions two main points. The first of them is that it is correct. Uh, in the fast that is voluntary. In the voluntary fast. It is correct. If a person makes niya or intention during the day, and not before dawn, but even after dawn, it is acceptable and it is correct to make intention even during the day, as long as they have not done anything that would have invalidated a fast. Uh, however, here they also mention that one of the explainers of Bulugh Muram, he has said that it is obligatory to make intention during the night for the obligatory as well as the voluntary fast equally, no difference between them. And there's a long argument concerning this. However, the stronger opinion is that it is, and is the condition of making the intention during the night before dawn, it is for the obligatory fast and not for the voluntary fast. The second point is that it is not obligatory to complete a voluntary fast. If a person has started the day fasting a voluntary fast, then it's not obligatory on that person to complete it. But it is permissible to break that fast. And even without any excuse, just, they just want to stop fasting. It's not obligatory. They have decided on their own to fast a voluntary fast. Then without any reason or excuse, they may break their fast if they like. Except that completing the fast is better. And if they had completed it, it's voluntary. But if you complete it, obviously it's better. Because then you will get the reward for fasting that day. However, there's no harm if a person is fasting a voluntary fast to break their fast if they decide to do so. The next hadith is from Sahal ibn Sa'ad. رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يزال الناس بخير ما عجلوا الفطرة متفق عليه متفق عليه it is the expression that is used by most of the scholars of hadith not only al-Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani but in most of the books of hadith if you say متفق عليه means that which is agreed upon as being sahih by al-Bukhari and Muslim رحمه الله and Isahal ibn Isa'ad, he said that the Prophet said, La yazalu nasu bi khayrin, that the people continue to be in good, in khayr, in a good condition, on the right path, on the correct way. The, the people will continue to be on the right path, ma'ajalu al fitra, as long as they hasten for the breaking of the fast. Yani at the time of the sunset, when one is sure that the sun has set, you should hasten to break the fast. As long as the people continue to do this. As long as the Muslims stay on this, he said they will remain on khayr. Because this is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, who as long as we remain on the sunnah, we will be in khayr. And our condition of sharr, it is because of deviation from the sunnah, separating from the guidance and the example uh, and the instructions of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, some of the scholars have mentioned other narrations of this hadith. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. However, they are also other authentic narrations of that hadith which include further wording which give clarification uh, or more details to this matter and one of them is that which is reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed uh, rahimahullah in which he said that the people will remain on khair ma'ajjalu al-fitra as long as they hasten to break the fast wa'akharu al-sahur and they delay the suhoor and as long as the people hasten in breaking the fast as immediately at sunset and as long as they delay the suhoor Yani, taking the early morning meal before dawn at the latest possible time before the break of dawn. Delaying it is what is preferable. That is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that the suhoor should not be taken at midnight and then sleep three or four more hours, fasting three or four extra hours, although you are sleeping, but it's still three or four more hours. And when you wake up, you start fasting more hours. You make the day longer for yourself. But what the Prophet ﷺ have advised us with, and it is his sunnah, is that 
delaying the suhoor until the latest time, until just before the break of dawn. And even uh, most of those books that they have which give the timing of uh, the beginning of the fast and stopping imsak, stopping from eating, it's not based on the sunnah. Some of them said you have to stop eating 10 minutes before dawn and some said 15 and some said 20 and all of that is baseless because the time of the stopping from eating is at the time of the actual break of dawn. And even the Prophet ﷺ, it has been reported authentically from him that if a person had some food in their hand or drink, have a vessel in their hand that they were drinking from and the adhan, and they heard the adhan, he said, then you should fulfill your need. And he finished what you have in your hand. That means that the time for stopping is not 10 or 15 or 20 minutes before. It is at the time when you see the whiteness, the white thread of the dawn distinct from the dark thread of the night. Uh, and also another narration of this same hadith reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood he said that the people will remain on Khair as long as they hasten the fitrah he said لِأَنَّ الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَ يُؤَخْفِرُونَ الْإِفْخَارِ إِلَىٰ إِشْتِبَاتِ النُّجُومِ here in this narration it is also sahih from uh, the Sunnah of Abu Dawood he said the reasoning for this is because the Jews and the Christians delay their iftar until the stars come in the sky and until it's dark because the time of Maghrib, when the sun has completely set, there's still light in the sky. You can see there's plenty of light in the sky and even the redness of the sun, even though it has set, you can see it on the horizon, the redness, the glow from the sun, even though the sun has completely set. But when it is completely dark, that is the way of the Christians and Jews, the Prophet ﷺ said, and he used to instruct the Muslims to oppose or to differ from the way of the Christians and Jews. So he said, uh, this is one of the reasons for hastening the breaking of the fast is because we don't want to imitate the Christians and Jews. And by the way, it has become today one of the symbols or the signs of the people of Bid'ah to delay the breaking of the fast until darkness. And anyone who knows, either they have seen it or they have heard it, they will know that there are some people that are known today as the Shia, the Rafidah, and they believe that the breaking of the fast is when it is dark, when there is no light left in the sky. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ have warned against. The next hadith, or, yeah, the next hadith, it is similar in meaning, a hadith reported by a tirmidhi from the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu an nabi that the Prophet ﷺ said, قال الله عز وجل أحب عبادي إلي أعجلهم فطرا The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah, the mighty and the majestic, has said that the most beloved of my servants to me is the one who hastens the most in breaking the fast. The one who hastens the most in breaking the fast. However, this hadith, it has some any weakness or some defect and in the Zaif of the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi Rahimahullah Shaykh Al-Albani has declared this hadith to be a weak hadith and it is not acceptable as a legal proof in the deen however the meaning of it hastening the breaking of the fast is the same as the meaning of the previous hadith there is no harm in it so what we understand from these two hadith and their meaning being similar is that it is mustahab or preferable to hasten the breaking of the fast when one is fasting as long as they have ascertained with some certainty that the sun has actually set we should hasten after we are sure that the sun has set not hasten as soon as uh, we think maybe it has set but we should try to be sure either by and the calendars that are prepared for knowing the time of sunset or what is better than that and safer than that it is for somebody to actually go on top of a building and see the sunset we are in the desert even though this is called a city but it is really desert with buildings built here you can see the sun setting easily from many places even from uh, uh, without going on top of a building you can see the sunset and we might find as I have found that the time for the setting of the sun is usually a few minutes after the actual setting of the sun. I have stood on top of an apartment building here in Doha and watched the sun setting and the sun has set and no adhan, no adhan has been called from five or six masjids surrounding my house. So some of the scholars have encouraged 
confirmation of the actual time of the setting of the sun because the Prophet ﷺ have encouraged us to hasten and not delay in breaking of the fast if we confirm that the sun has actually set before the adhan it's called no need to wait for the adhan because the adhan is only a signal and to let us know it is an announcement that the sun has set if we know it has set before that then no one should delay the breaking of the fast waiting for the adhan uh, the second point uh, well he said that any, one should hasten in breaking of the fast either by seeing it or by information that comes from a reliable person and if the if the Mu'adhan is reliable, insha'Allah, or those who have calculated these calculations, um, if we are not able to see for ourselves. The second point that he mentions is uh, that it is detestable and it is something disliked to be yani, extremism in the deen. It is something disliked. Extremism in the deen is disliked. That means that nobody should try to fast longer. Yani, I won't break my fast at sunset. I'll go a little longer, extra time, yani, because I want to do more. That is extremism. But what is the sunnah is to break your fast immediately. And that is what Allah loves and that is what is preferable. Extremism in the deen is not something that is looked well upon. Number three, the permissibility of delaying the iftar for some need. And if there is some need uh, or some necessity that prevents the person from breaking their fast immediately, then there is no blame on them. However, as long as they are able, then hastening to break the fast preferable and more beloved to Allah. The next hadith is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu. Qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tasahharu fa inna fi sahuri baraka. He said break and he take the suhoor and the morning meal. Tasahharu. It is a command from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and normally the scholars of usul al-fiqh they said that that a command in the Quran or in the Sunnah indicates that something is obligatory. Al-Amra yaqtadi al-wujub. Unless there's another evidence which shows that it is not absolutely mandatory. The apparent meaning of this hadith is that it is obligatory. However, many of the scholars said that it is mustahab, not obligatory for other proofs or evidences. However, the Prophet said, take the suhoor, the early morning meal before dawn, because verily the suhoor, in that suhoor, in that early morning meal before dawn, there's barakah, there's blessings. And the scholars have mentioned yani, various explanations of what is that blessing. And of the most important of them is that the first blessing, the shari blessing, is that it is in following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. There's a blessing in following the sunnah. And there's a blessing in imposing the kuffar and the Ahl Bid'ah, opposing them. If they delay, then in opposing them, there is a blessing. Because we are encouraged to follow the Sunnah and to oppose the way of the Ahl Kitab and the disbelievers in general. Likewise, there is strengthening of the body for worship in taking this suhoor and an increase in one's ability, activity or ability to move about and do things. And some scholars even said that it is a cause for sadaqah, and it is a means for sadaqah. Uh, if people might, for example, be in need and somebody gives them charity for suhoor, then it is also another means for one to achieve the reward of Allah through giving charity. Uh, there is also hadith, it is not mentioned in Burugh al Muram, but it is important because it talks about these things which some of the scholars have mentioned. And that hadith is a Sahih hadith reported in the Sahih of Muslim, attributed to the Prophet Marfu'an, and he said, Faslu ma bayna siyamina wa siyami ahl kitab. Atlatu al-Sahr That the difference or the separation between our fasting or the distinction between our fasting and the fasting of the people of the book it is taking that food at the, just before the break of the dawn and in that hadith he also mentioned yani, the other things that is strengthening of the person for ibadah as well as increasing the activity and uh, being a means of charity from this hadith, the first point that may be derived from it is that it is mustahab by ijma' or consensus of the scholars to take the suhoor meal. And that in that suhoor meal there is a great good or a great benefit. The second point is that the barakah, the blessing that is achieved from the suhoor, it is in following the 
are commands, the legal commands, yani that came in the Quran and Sunnah, here it came in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, strengthening the body, the person for ibadah, increasing the activity and other benefits. The next hadith is the hadith of Sulaiman ibn Amir al-Dabbi radiyallahu anhu. عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا أفطر أحدكم فليفطر على تمر فإن لم يجد فليفطر على ماء فإنه تهور سلمان ابن عامر الضبي رضي الله عنه he reported from the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that he said if one of you breaks his fast then he should break his fast with dates but if he doesn't find any dates, if he doesn't have any dates, then he should break his fast with water, for verily it is pure. Rawahu al-Khamsa, and it is reported by the five, and those five excluding al-Bukhari and Muslim. Wasahahahu ibn Khuzayma wa ibn Hibban wal-Hakim. And it has been declared sahih by al-Imam ibn Khuzayma, al-Imam ibn Hibban, and al-Imam al-Hakim in his mustadraq. Rahimahumullah. This hadith, some of the scholars has, have differed about its authenticity and also from amongst the contemporary scholars Sheikh al-Bani rahimahullah has given a long discussion in Irwa al-Ghalil concerning this hadith and he uh, summarized it by saying uh, that he doesn't consider this hadith to be a confirmed authentic report from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam however he mentioned a number of other narrations which he considered to be Sahih, which are similar in meaning, and from amongst them are those narrations which mention the Prophet Sallallahu practice. Yeah, and it has been reported in the Sunan of the Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood and in other collections from more than one of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu that it was his practice when he broke the fast that he used to break it with Ratab, yeah, and fresh dates. And if not, if he didn't have them with, then with Tamr, dry dates, and if he didn't have then with water. And there are other similar narrations of similar meaning that this was the practice of the Prophet ﷺ and therefore the meaning of the hadith it is correct even if there is some difference about the chain of narration and its authenticity or not. Therefore it is considered to be mustahab or commendable that a person should break their fast with dates and if they didn't find it with water or in the order of the practice of the Prophet ﷺ which fresh dates and if in the absence of that dry dates and in the absence of that with water. Also uh, some of the scholars said because of the tartib or the order in which it is mentioned in the hadith the practice of the Prophet ﷺ, that it is preferable to break one's fast with dates than to break one's fast with water yani if dates are available uh, because of the benefits that it contains the next hadith is the hadith of Abu Huraira the next hadith is the hadith of Abu Huraira. رضي الله عنه قال نهى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الوصال. He said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم has prohibited, he has prohibited that a person do continuous fasting, الوصال, that they fast from dawn until sunset, and instead of breaking their fast, they keep fasting until the next day, until the next night, and so on, without breaking their fast in the night at the time of sunset. He said that the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited al-wisal, continuous fasting. فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Then a man from amongst the Muslims, he said, فَإِنَّكَ تُوَاصِلُوا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He said, but you do this continuous fasting, O Messenger of Allah. We have seen you doing it. فَقَالَ The Prophet ﷺ then said to him, وَأَيُّكُمْ مِثْلِي But which one of you is like me? And which one of you is equal to me? in their status or in their relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their ability. فَإِنِّي أَبِيتُ يُثْعِمُنِي رَبِّي وَيَسْقِينِي He said, I spend the night while my Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is giving me food and giving me drink. Uh, this hadith, this point of the hadith, and this is not the end of the hadith, but this point of the hadith also has a lengthy discussion by many of the scholars from amongst them. Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim in Zad al-Ma'ad has discussed the meaning of this expression of the Prophet ﷺ that I spend the night while my Lord gives me food and drink. And many of the scholars said, and there's a long argument about it, that the meaning here is not physical food and drink. 
and some said it is physical food and drink. Uh, but that it is spiritual food. Those who said it is not physical food, that it is spiritual food, it is communication with Allah and nearness to Allah and ibadah and the, the joy that the person experiences when they are worshipping Allah by reading the Qur'an or praying in the night and qiyam and that relationship with Allah and that joy that they experience uh, it suffices them from food and drink and this is something that even you and I can experience that if a person is praying and they are enjoying that prayer or they are reading the Qur'an or they are doing something that they enjoy especially the acts of ibadah but even in the dunya worldly things that a person might be enjoying themselves and forget about eating and drinking. What about the one who is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then he said, <coughs> in the hadith, Abu Hurairah said, فَلَمَّا أَبَوْا أَنْ يَنْتَهُوا عَنَ الْوِصَالِ وَاصَلَ بِهِمْ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ رَعَوُ الْحِلَامِ The Prophet ﷺ, when he found that they refused to stop this continuous fasting, then he went on with them. He continued the wisal himself, forcing them to fast a day, and then another day. And then, fortunately, by Allah's mercy for them, the hilal was sacrificed. That if the hilal had been delayed, and if the month had not ended, if there were a few more days remaining, he said, I would have increased, I would have went on fasting. Not two or three days, but I would have went on. As though so that it would be a sort of any punishment for them or to teach them a lesson uh, that they shouldn't try to do that which the Prophet ﷺ have discouraged them from. That this would be a lesson for them Hina Abaw and Yantahu Yani when they refuse to uh, discontinue that which the Prophet ﷺ have uh, yani ordered them to stop. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim Mustafaqun Alayh and there is some narration, an authentic narration, in which this is reported from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, anhu, that the Prophet said, فَأَيُّكُمْ أَرَادَ أَيُّوَاصِلْ فَلْيُوَاصِلْ إِلَى السَّحَرْ يعني That if any one of you wants to do continuous fasting, then he should continue fasting up until just before the break of dawn. That means يعني that they shouldn't fast a complete 24 hours, but if they didn't break the fast at Maghrib, which is preferable, but if they insist on fasting, on, on doing continuous fasting, then at least they should take suhoor, that is, they should eat something before the break of dawn, before the next day of fasting begins, so that it is not fasting two days continuously, but it is only during the course of one day. Uh, from this hadith, we understand that it is prohibited to do al-wisal, continuous fasting, yani in the absolute sense, uh, some, people, some scholars said that it is not yani, uh, forbidden, haram, but it is makruh. And the reasons for that are many. Uh, from amongst them, some of them said that the Prophet ﷺ, if it was absolutely haram, then he wouldn't have allowed them to do it. Yani when he went on fasting for another day and another day, if it was haram, then he wouldn't have allowed them to do it. He wouldn't have yani, allowed them to continue that fasting. And also because of the number, the authentic narrations from many of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ who used to, even after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, practice al-wisal. In any case, some of the scholars said that it is haram and some said that it is makru. Uh, and definitely it is permissible to fast up until the time of the break of dawn, up until just before the break of dawn. That type of wisal in the limited sense the Prophet ﷺ has allowed it. The second point uh, is that al-wisal, continuous fasting, is from the uh, special characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ. And it is something particular to him. He used to do it, as he said in that hadith, which one of you is like me? It was something particular to him and not for the other people. Therefore, it is not permissible for others to do it according to the majority opinion. However, as we said, there are some who said uh, that it is not absolutely haram. Also from this hadith we understand the prohibition of al-ghulu in the deen and extremism or going beyond the bounds. But we should stay within the bounds of the sharia. Do as much of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is allowed in the sharia in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And finally they said that it is permissible 
to leave the person who is an extremist, who goes to the extreme, it is permissible to leave them in their extremism until they feel, until they feel it as a deterrent and until they feel the harm that has come to them from their extremism so that they would learn a lesson from that uh, and, and retract from it as the Prophet ﷺ did with uh, those who in, in, uh, insisted on al-wisaf. Okay, the last hadith that we can take, uh, it is the hadith which is also and he reported from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi said, من لم يدع قول الزور والعمل به والجهل فليس لله حاجة في أن يدع طعمه وشرابه said that the Prophet sallallahu said that whoever doesn't abandon or leave off قول الزور false speech or lying or false testimony whoever doesn't leave off false speech and acting in accordance with falsehood and ignorance or foolish behavior فليس لله حاجة then Allah has no need يعني Allah doesn't look at and Allah doesn't care about and perhaps Allah doesn't accept, and perhaps Allah doesn't accept that that person should leave off their food and their drink. And if they don't leave off the things that Allah has made haram, then Allah doesn't consider their leaving off that which is halal. Because the purpose of leaving off that which is halal is to train the person and to enable them to restrain themselves from that which is haram. What is the benefit of leaving the halal and engaging in the haram? He said, Allah has no need then that that person should leave off their food and drink. Rawahu al-Bukhari wa Abu Dawood wa lahu. This hadith has been reported by al-Bukhari and also al-Imam Abu Dawood rahimahumullah and the exact wording here it is from Abu Dawood. In this hadith he mentions two points and we'll stop here. Uh, the first of them is the severity of the prohibition of lying and ignorant foolish behavior while a person is fasting. And if these things are prohibited ordinarily, then what about the one who is fasting? Then that, the severity of the prohibition is even more. The second point is that whoever uh, commits these sinful acts, it is feared that perhaps their fasting would not be accepted. And if the, some of the scholars said that the wording of this hadith, that whoever doesn't leave off these things, then Allah has no need for them to leave off their food and drink. Some of the scholars said, that it is feared that the meaning of this might be that Allah won't accept their fasting. And Allah knows best. We'll stop here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.